Welcome to Truth Encounter. As Christ followers, the Lord Jesus has given us an overarching goal that each one of us need to join together to accomplish. It is recorded in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Knowing and achieving this goal is the most important thing we can commit ourselves to. With our study leader, Dave Wurtson, let's find out what this goal is. I want to challenge you that in the next few days, sit down and spend some time thinking about what your purpose, because goals are really important. Dr. Hendricks used to tell Tim and I at seminary that you have a much better chance of hitting the target if you know where the target is. And a lot of us live our lives not shooting at anything, or a lot of us shoot and then move the target to where the arrow is going to hit, and we're not very focused on purpose. Purpose is really important. In fact, Jim Collins in his book on uh, From Good to Great, he talked about the fact that what you need to find out in your life, he's talking about business, what you need to find out is what you can do better than anyone else in the world. What you can do better than anyone else in the world. How are you uniquely designed? Like if a company to be successful, what they need to figure out is what can they do better than any, any other company in the world. Like Walgreens, for example. Walgreens figured out that they can be the very best small town, small city drugstore for you. And Walgreens has gone like this. Why? Because of purpose. Walgreens and their leadership said we can be the very best small town grocery store. It's just an example. If you look at the numbers and you look at the productivity, the groups that are focused on their purpose, and you can see it happen, like a company can go along really focused on their purpose, and then they crash and burn because they lose sight of their purpose. And that's true in business. It's also true in our individual lives. But you know what? It's also true in our church family. When the Apostle Paul thinks about the church, he thinks about you, every one of you in this room. And he thinks of you working together. As you turn to Ephesians chapter 4 today, we're going to go on with Ephesians chapter 4. We're right in the heart of the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul lays out for us a very clear purpose. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12, 15, and 16, he reiterates the purpose. But let's just read the passage to get it before us. This is probably the most important thing that we can do this morning is to read the text. One of the things I want you to do, if you're wandering away from the Lord, you're wandering away because you're not listening to Jesus speaking to you in the Word. If you're wandering away after you listen, you don't obey. One of the goals that I'd like you to make, man, every single day, I'm going to carve some time out in my life. Somebody told me yesterday, they were challenging another man that said, I don't have time. They said, man, just set your, set your alarm a half an hour early and just begin the day with God. Sometime during the day, open up the Word of God. The most important thing we can do this morning is not listen to me, but to listen to God, speaking to us through His Word. So look what Paul says. Let's begin with Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, And Christ has given, it was He, it was He, Christ, who gave, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now what's the purpose? They're to prepare God's people for works of service, and here's the ultimate goal, so that the body of Christ may be built up. See that? Building up. It's not this building out here that's, that's so important, but it's the body of Christ. We need to think of what is the body of Christ. What is it that needs to be built up? It says until we all reach the unity. Paul's coloring in a little bit what this is going to look like when the body of Christ is all built up. He says until we all reach the unity in the faith 
in the knowledge or in the intimate relationship, knowing the Lord, not just knowing Him intellectually, but knowing Him from a full personal standpoint, with our head, with our heart, with our emotions, every part of us that will grow up into the knowledge of the Son of God and will become mature. That's Paul's goal for us, for us to grow up, for us to become mature. What is that going to look like? We're going to attain to all the measure of the fullness of Christ. So one of the things we need to ask ourselves as we read this text is what in the world does the Paul mean by the fullness of Christ? It's one of those expressions that we read that we go, good night, you know, what is the fullness of Christ? And it's one of those things that we can kind of just let it go in and eat one ear and out the other and not think about it. We need to think about it this morning. Because that's the goal, the fullness of Christ, building up the body of Christ until the body has the fullness of Christ. He goes on and talks about some negative things, some things that we need to be really careful of. Then we will no longer, when we grow up, when we're complete, when we're mature, we will no longer be little infants, little children that are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. So we're going to talk this morning a little bit about what are the signs that we're not accomplishing this goal? What are the signs in our life as a church family? What are the signs in our life as individuals that we're not focused on the goal that the Lord has for us? We'll look at that verse. And it has to do with this being infants, being tossed around, being unstable. Then he closes with a very positive thing by stating instead, instead of being like a child, we need to speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament or every connecting link. It's not just the ligaments or the joints, but the idea is it's like the whole body has connections. All the body has, has is, is all joined together. If you cut your finger off from your body, your finger will begin to stink and die and it will just decompose. It has to be connected to your body. Every single cell in your body is connected with the other cells. And that's what Paul's picturing. He's picturing a body that's all joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And it's joined to the head in Paul's thinking in this passage. And everything is flowing from the head. And the head is giving the direction. The head is giving life. The head is giving all the guidance that, the, that this body needs. Just like in the human body. That's Paul's imagery here. What's going to be the result? So that we build up ourselves in love as each part does its work. So the Apostle Paul envisioned... This is, if I ask the Apostle Paul, Paul, what's the church to you? What's the purpose of the church? What's the significance of every single individual in the church? The Apostle Paul is laying a foundation that of what he really thinks about all those things. I want you to begin just to think in a, in a different way. Think about how we think about the church. Think about how the average person in Midlothian thinks about the church. If you ask the average person in Midlothian, say, man, what's your goal? They wouldn't exactly say, man, my goal is to be part of the body of Christ. I want to be fulfilling my particular role in the body of Christ. The average person is not going to talk about that at all. Most of the average person is going to be thinking about their individual lives, their individual fulfillment, whether they're making progress with their life plan. In fact, a whole lot of us are really into the idea of how can we fulfill ourselves individually and how can we live out the life plan that we've got planned for us as individuals. As long as you concentrate on those individual goals, as long as you're focused on your navel, 
and you're looking into yourself and you're thinking about what's going on inside of you and you're thinking about how you feel, you're thinking about how you think, you think about how your career is going, you're thinking about how, how everything's working together to fulfill your goals, you're going to be miserable eventually. You're going to be depressed. You're going to become selfish. You're going to become someone that we don't really want to be around. As Americans, this is our big thing. In fact, my whole lifetime, America, for the most part, is all focused on ourselves. We have counselors that help us to examine our inner worlds. We have people that want to teach us how to have the greatest self-fulfillment, how to find all the value there is in life. And as long as you stay focused on that, you're going to miss what the Apostle Paul says is our purpose. Because the Apostle Paul doesn't think of you just as an individual. In fact, our whole movement as evangelicals is focused on individuals. In fact, so much so, and I've shared with you the last time I spoke, we have an idea that you can be an individual that sits in a lazy boy and looks at a tube, and that's church. What you can do is you can actually just never be with real flesh and blood people. You just sit in your chair. You can get your coffee when you want. You can turn the sound down the way you want. You can do anything you want. But it's your thing. And you evaluate. Did this person meet my need? Did they help me to get encouraged? And as long as you think like that, you're a million miles away from the reality of the excitement of being part of what God's really doing in the world. Because the Apostle Paul is saying in this text that we are in this together. And he actually pictures not just individuals, but he pictures individuals connected. He pictures individuals living close, having problems with one another, working it through. That's part of what this text is going to be talking to about. The Apostle Paul envisions a totally different purpose for you than just your individual self-fulfillment. He thinks of your purpose being... The ultimate goal I have is Christ is the head of a gigantic, incredibly beautiful, incredibly important, the eternal family of God, Jesus Christ that lived 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ is the head of an incredible group of people that down through the centuries, and I'm part of the flow of that great movement of the Spirit of God that's calling individuals to become part of what's called the body of Christ. And every single one of you that's invited Jesus into your heart, the moment you believed in Jesus, you were infused with grace. You were infused with God's gift. You were infused with special abilities, special talents, special things that only you can do. And it's what you can do better than anyone else in the body of Christ. And some of you have the idea, like, I don't, I'm not really needed around here. I'm not really that important. Oh, yes, you are. Every one of you is vitally important. And if you cut yourself off, or if you don't do what you're supposed to do in listening to the head, in following the head's direction, then we become an unhealthy body. That's what I want you to capture a vision of. That's the overall thrust that the Apostle Paul has. So the very first thing, if someone asks you, what's my goal, Christ's purpose for his body? Notice, he doesn't just say Christ's purpose for Dave. One of the things the Lord is teaching me, he's trying to wean me away from thinking in terms of what's Christ's purpose for Dave. Because Christ's purpose for Dave isn't really that important. The big important thing is what's Christ's purpose for his body? What's Christ's purpose for this incredible thing called the church, the body of Christ? So we ask the question, what's Christ's purpose for us? And it is to build up this body. 
Now, notice how Paul stresses that in verse 12 and verse 15, and then again in verse 16. First of all, we looked at verse 12. Right away, off the bat, look at verse 12. He said, we are to prepare God's people for the works of service. Why? Here's the purpose. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Christ's goal is for the family of God, we should be building up. Building up. Now, that involves two things in building up. We should increase in numbers... Not because we have special campaigns like businesses do to bring people in and all that kind of thing, although some of those techniques can be really good. But the basic idea is is what we just announced. The Adams family is healthy and strong. They are being built up. They're fertile and they're multiplying. Not many guys, but a bunch of girls. And that's exciting. In fact, one of the things that I rejoice as a pastor teacher is, man, the nursery keeps exploding. And that means that you're being true to Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In God's grace, he does give us multiplying families. We have kids. One of the ways that we're built up is that we should be generating new believers. And that's why the Lord has given us evangelists. Evangelists keep before us constantly. We need to present the gospel that Jesus died for us. And something should stir deep inside of you. That's the message that I'm building my whole life upon. And that's what I want to share with other people. Every friend that I meet, every relationship I begin to cultivate, I have real relationships. I'm not just just trying to sell something, but I am seeking to make connections with people because I want to share with them this incredible new life I have with Christ. I love the gospel. And whether it's your own personal friendships, going to parties, living with your unbelieving friends, the Lord wants us to be building up the body of Christ through helping people to understand the gospel and seeing them born again into God's family. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he causes us to be built up in our maturity, in our lives together, that we grow up in our understanding. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about that, and we'll clarify that a little bit further. As he talks about the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, we need to be growing corporately in our understanding of all the good things that we have in Christ. So we not only grow through evangelism, but we also grow through discipleship, would be a way of thinking about it in a biblical way. That's the idea, the building up. Paul's talking about this building up is through new lives being born and then those lives being matured and discipled. He also stresses this purpose again, just to show you how he keeps coming back to it. Look at verse 15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we in all things will grow up into him who is the head, that is, into Christ. There's that same goal. To be built up means to grow up into Christ. So one of the things I would ask you, Have I grown up into Christ more? In other words, am I, as I live together with other believers, am I more like Christ today? And I would challenge you, like, to take a sheet of paper. What are some areas that I see that the Holy Spirit's really worked on my life in? As we go on in this book next week, the Apostle Paul is going to talk to us about we can't live the way unbelievers used to live. And he's going to talk about what unbelievers do. He's going to talk about what believers do. Galatians does the same thing. For example, I look at my life and I say, like, am I more loving in my relationships? Am I more patient in my relationships? Am I more able to bear with other people? Or am I short? To be honest, that can be a very convicting question at times, especially in marriage, especially in family relationships. But that's what the Lord Jesus wants us to do, to to grow up into Christ. I need to be asking myself, well, Christ, what do you like? 
So one of the questions that I asked myself was, as a man who later on in this book, this Lord's going to say, I'm supposed to be grown up into Christ, in my marriage, I need to be acting out the role of Christ. And so whenever I hear that, I ask myself, am I listening to Christ? What do I know about Christ? Who is the Christ that I think I'm following? What is he like? Does what I think he's like really conform with Scripture? We need to get really serious about that. Because I don't want you to get to be 80 years of age and you're still as ornery as you've always been. Your kids still don't want to be around you. They come to visit your house, but they want to get away because you get so uptight. You get so angry because you can't handle the stress. In a believer's life, we shouldn't live with the Lord all these years and we, 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 we don't overcome any of those personality things. Sure, there's some physical things that really enter into that, but I think it's very important. I've lived with believers. They know it all in their head. They can even do what I'm doing right now. But when I ask the hard question, do I really see the character of Jesus in their life? Do I really see the kind of, 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 of love for other people, involvement with other people? Do I see the kind of passion for truth that he had? Do I see them getting angry the way Christ got angry at things that Christ got angry at? Because Christ isn't just all about gentleness and gushy sentimentality. Sometimes he gets really upset. And one of the things we need to do corporately of the church family is we're growing up into the head, which is Christ. So the very first thing I want to stress to you today is, is your goal as a body of believers together? What's our goal? What do we want Midlothian Bible Church to be? And we should all answer it. Our goal at Midlothian Bible Church is to become just like him. When I first started our church, we said, what's the ultimate goal of our church? It's Philippians 3.10, where the Apostle Paul is really summarizing exactly what he's talking about here. I want to know him. And so I want to become like him, that I might intimately know him. I want to become Christ-like. My goal is with you to grow up and to become like Christ. What my goal is, is with you, because this is the body of believers. These are the saints that I've been called to live with. You're it. You're my brothers and sisters. You're the ones that I really get to know. And I want to challenge you. Every one of you need to ask yourself, is that really my goal? My goal is that with you, the body of Christ, that I might be growing up into him, into the head. Now think about what like Paul's using this imagery as you think about this goal. What it's saying is this, is Christ is the head. Now every single cell in my body responds to the head. Every single cell in my body, like if my head says, move your hand, your hand moves. When, when your hand doesn't respond to your head, then there's disease, there's sickness. If I amputate my arm, then my arm doesn't respond to the head anymore. And that's why the Apostle Paul is using all this imagery, because he wants you to think you as an individual need to see yourself as joined with this incredible group. And Christ is the head. And as the head, we need to be responding to his guidance, responding to his thoughts, responding to his concerns, responding to his commands. Some of you say, well, Dave, this Christianity thing doesn't work. And I'm going to ask you one question. Are you obeying? Are you obeying? If the head tells you, you really need to do this. You need to forget this relationship. It's bad for you. It's hurting you. It's taking you into things that you shouldn't be taking in. If the head, Jesus says, in your heart, and he'll often talk to you early in the morning, just before you're waking up, when your heart is open, 
kind of that in-between time or maybe before you go to sleep when you're all quiet, when the head says, you know, this isn't what you need to be doing. This is not the right thing. You're getting off track. How do you respond to that? And every one of us need to ask yourself, am I responding to the head? Because Christ's purpose for us is for us to grow up into the head. And I want to challenge you because in the New Testament, they would say, I see growth. This is a real thing. This isn't pretend. I also want to say to you, if you just know all this stuff, you know it in your head, but there's really no connection to the head. You could care less what Jesus thinks. Like when I say to you, even as I'm talking now, I say, hey, your goal needs to be to be growing up into the head, to be connecting with the head. If you sit here and go, who cares? You know, you really need to ask yourself whether you're connected with the head. Because it's very possible that you've never really had the head, Jesus, come to live inside of you. And that's a real important thing. Because in the New Testament, there's not this idea, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, he died on the cross for me, he rose again, great. Now I'm saved, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. No, that's not what salvation is. Salvation is having Jesus come to live inside of you. You really connect with him. He's the most powerful being. Ephesians is telling us that he's the most powerful being in all the world. And if nothing happens in that connection with him, you're not plugged in. See, that's what electricity is like that. If you're not plugged into the wall, the appliance doesn't work. And the appliance just sits there. But when you plug the appliance in, man, the lights come on, the power's there, things start to happen. So one of the things the Apostle Paul is really concerned about with the Ephesians is that they have this head connection. And he's very serious about that. And I think we need to be serious. We need to be after ourselves. Like, am I really connected? Now, I don't want to put guilt on you, say, because sometimes we go through times of doubt, and the Lord says we need to encourage those that are doubting. And I'm not talking about those times of doubt. But what I'm saying is if you're consistently, I could care less about reading the Bible, I could care less about praying, I could care less about Christ then it's very possible you're not connected. And I ask myself, Dave, am I open to those connections? Are those connections healthy? Because that's what's going to make you grow. Now, the Lord's done. So that's our ultimate goal. You say, Dave, what's your goal? You can ask yourself, my goal is with you as the body of Christ to grow up into Jesus. I want to be more like him. And I want to finish my life really strong. Keep living for him, becoming like him, listening to his voice. And it's the biblical Jesus that's revealed in this book. Now, the Lord has done a very gracious thing to help us with that purpose. He's given us gifted people. And they're like coaches, you might think of it. The Apostle Paul, in this passage, he talked about this purpose. He begins the passage by saying, the Lord has been given us gifted apostles and prophets. When I taught you that passage... The apostles and prophets lay the foundation of the New Testament. And if you want to think of there being apostles today that go into new parts of the world and work with a large number of churches, that's fine for you to use that. But just remember that in the first century, there were apostles that saw the crucified Christ. They saw the resurrected Christ. And they're responsible for giving you, like the apostle Paul was one of these apostles. And that's why we're teaching from his word today. The prophets were those that could directly give inspired revelation from the Lord. Now, I believe the Apostle Paul said that there's two gifts that build off the foundation. And those are the evangelists and the pastor teachers. And the evangelists are those that have a passion to go into new areas, to go into new lives, to equip God's family in helping people to be equipped to share the gospel. One of the things I want you to pray 
In order for us to grow up into Christ, we need to be healthy. If we're going to be growing up, we need to have new life. Every single one of you should feel very comfortable. If someone asks you, how can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? Every one of you should be able to feel comfortable. I'd be glad to show you. You have a Bible in the house anywhere? Let's grab a Bible. Those of you that have the get to evangelist, one of your major goals is to come up with strategies and plans and ways to help every person that comes to our church family to know how to present the gospel. Through the years, we've done it a million different ways, different techniques to teach you how to share the gospel. The Apostle Paul is saying that the evangelist is supposed to prepare God's people for the work of service. Look at it in that next verse. It says that he's given us in verse 12, he's given evangelists and pastor teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. If we're going to accomplish this purpose, the evangelists are to prepare God's people for the works of service. The pastor teachers need to prepare God's people for the works of service. And I want to share with you, in the first century, those the titles, evangelist and pastor teacher, weren't big formal things like we have in our society today. Like in our society today, when I say that an evangelist, you think Billy Graham is responsible to preach the gospel in large stadiums. When I mention pastors, you say like the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist. He needs to do the pastoring ministry. In fact, you've been trained since you were little kids. What evangelists do is they have big revivals and they have big meetings and a lot of people get saved. And what pastors do is pastors run our churches and they visit us in the hospital. And they do the ministry. And you think like that because that's the approach that a lot of Christendom has taken to this passage. But I want you to see that back in the first century when Paul wrote this, that's not what he would have been thinking about. He wouldn't even know there was large stadium crusade. They had crusade meetings. They got stoned at them. It was like in Ephesus when the Apostle Paul wanted to go in. They're having a big riot in this big theater in Ephesus. They wouldn't let Paul go in to this big mass meeting because it would have killed them. They did have large open air, like Jesus had large open air meetings. So there's some relationship. But for the most part, the evangelists were those like business people that were really excited about sharing Christ. And they went into their businesses and they gossiped the gospel. They shared the gospel. And then those business people were moved to other parts of the empire and they shared the gospel. I want us to be growing. Those of you that are gifted in evangelism, and one of my, even though it might not be my major gift, one of the things that I have a passion for is we want to keep the gospel constantly going forth. We want to help people to constantly come to know Christ. Lord, I want you just to just pour your blessings upon us with new birth. I want to see a movement in the Spirit of God, and I want to see children just totally come to know Christ in unprecedented numbers. I want to see junior highs and teenagers come to know Christ in unprecedented numbers. I want to challenge you. That should be part of our goal. Because the evangelist is not supposed to just do the work of evangelists, but they prepare God's people to do that. The pastor teachers, they prepare God's people for their works of service, doing the teaching and doing the shepherding, the guiding, picking you up, helping you to be encouraged when you're discouraged. There is the role of an evangelist who takes the lead in preparing God's people. There's a role like I need to exercise leadership. I'm trying to do that this morning. I'm trying to be like a coach that says, hey, we got a purpose here. We need to be growing into the head. We need to be growing into Christ. We need to be connected with him. 
We need to be able to see that transformation taking place in our life. And then the Lord's given us gifted leaders to help us to do that. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do, in fact, I see this happening by the power of the Spirit. You're very much recognizing we don't need just one of our pastors or even any of our pastors at times to do the work of the ministry. Like if you're sitting there going, in order to do the work of the ministry, I can't do the work of the ministry. I need to get Tim or I need to get Dave or I need to get one of the elders. Now there's things that elders and pastor teachers and evangelists need to do. They need to equip you. But I want everyone of you to see in this verse that says that those leaders equip the saints for the work of the ministry. A guy named Ray Stedman wrote a book called Body Life. And one of the major things that Ray Stedman said in, in Body Life was he took just this verse and he showed how this verse didn't say that the clergymen do the work of the ministry, but that all the saints do the work of the ministry. And, and it had an incredible effect upon the body of Christ that we're still living in. And I want to reemphasize it again this morning. I want every one of you to realize you can do the work of the ministry. My objective is to equip you. It's very important. A lot of us as leaders think that what I do as a leader is I always lead. I'm always up front. I'm always the one that does it. But you know what happens in the way that life is? Some of you are going to be much more gifted than I am at lots of things in the body of Christ. For example, Becky is much more gifted than I am at setting up a social connection for us as a body of Christ, for us as a large group, for us to get together with hundreds of us and have a really good time. That's really not my major gift. Now, I might think that it is, but it isn't. And so it's very important for me to say, Becky, you're really gifted. One of the things we need to do with the body of Christ is we need to get together. We need to have community. We need to be family. And I need a letter free to do that. And then I need to listen to her and let the program flow from that. What I want to motivate you is that every single one of you sitting before me have gifts like that and abilities like that. And you need to see that it's all part of the ministry. And my objective needs to be to equip you, not to do the ministry myself. Not to do all the ministry, but to equip you to do the ministry. That's what's so beautiful about what the Apostle Paul is saying. Some of you in business, by the way, some of you that are taking the most avant-garde leadership things in business, they're just beginning to discover this. This is a great big thing. The leaders don't do it. We all do it together. And our time is up. There's two other things that they talk about here. Three signs that we're on target. The unity of the faith, increasing in intimacy with the biblical Christ, and increasing in the evidence of Christ's likeness. The signs that we're off target, you can look at it, is immaturity. If you're vacillating back and forth, and I want you to look at that text during this week, spiritual immaturity, deceived by false teachers, and then the number one priority is what I've been trying to do is to speak the truth in love. And it's speaking, the word, I just, just to highlight, a lot of your text reads, speaking the truth in love. The word that's used for speaking the truth is truthing it in love. We don't have an English word like that. But it's not just your speech. The Apostle Paul always has our speech connected with our hands and our feet. He always has our speech connected with our life. We're together. We're not alone. We're together. And we're connected with Christ. And when we're together and we're connected with Christ... And his power begins to flow. That's the ultimate fulfillment this side of eternity. And that's what I want all of you to be a part of. I want you to know the incredible joy of not being a child that goes from one church to the next and changes pastors constantly and is looking for the latest thing. And I want you to be like that. But I want you to be someone that's really connected with the head Jesus. 
that's really connected with a group of believers that you're really connecting with, you're rubbing shoulders with, and then you have that joy of having that Holy Spirit's power from Christ coming and transforming. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just know from studying this passage back in seminary, it's just so easy for it just to be intellectual stuff that's in our head. And Lord, I want it to be just a living, powerful relationship of Christ. And so I ask you now that the Spirit of your Son would move my own heart and move my brothers and sisters to truly, intimately, closely be connected with Jesus. And I'd ask you, Lord, that as we continue to study the book of Ephesians, as Paul gets into some real nitty-gritty about the way that we live our lives and how being connected with Christ changes the way our character is and changes our likes and our dislikes. I just pray that your Holy Spirit, who's the only one that can do it, would help each one of us to respond to that truth. There's so much deception, so much false teaching, and we don't want to be caught up in it. And so I'd ask you, Lord, that you would use the message this morning to help each one of my brothers and sisters to spend some alone time with you listening to your voice and I pray that it wouldn't just be intellectual I pray that it wouldn't just be formal content but I pray that they'll really be able to hear your voice speaking to them through your word in Jesus holy name we pray amen